Hey, we started a series of lessons last week, if you're here with us for our Easter service. If you weren't, we'll kind of get you caught up where we were. We started a new series of lessons. want to encourage you, uh, maybe just take, take some notes and, and uh, uh, kind of think about it. If you weren't with us last week, uh, we'll have all the messages on podcast, so they're already up, and you can just tap into kind of where we were last week and kind of get you caught up with, you know, 35 minutes or 30 minutes of teaching that we had last week. But we started a series of lessons just called Living Through It. And as you kind of look at that title again, of course, everybody in the room, you know that, that, that's the crown of thorns. Uh, that's what the Romans actually put on Jesus' head as they then hit him and beat him. And later on, they whipped him, of course we know, and they went to the cross. And he suffered and died for the sins of the world, the, the, the Gospels tell us. And Paul wrote that, that one man died for all. That means that all men died. That's what Paul says. One man died for all, Jesus. That means every one of us came into this earth and we were dead in sin. That's why we needed another man named Jesus Christ. Come on. There was a first man named Adam, and uh, uh, we know he messed up. But then the Bible says, in Corinthians, Paul writes and says, there was another second Adam, second Adam, Jesus Christ, who got it right. Come on, somebody say, praise the Lord for Jesus. Come on, praise the Lord. So we found out last week was that we really we want to look at these three words, living through it. You know, most of us concentrate on the it. We concentrate on the, on the betrayal. We concentrate on the divorce. We concentrate on the, 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 the bankruptcy. We concentrate on the gossip that someone's given to us. We concentrate on the, uh, on the, 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 the husband that left us, the wife that left us, the, the terrible situation going on with our kids or whatever it is. But we want to kind of, you know, flip the script, if you will, a little bit. Don't concentrate on the it. Concentrate on the living. God wants you to live through th- situations that could confront you to ca- actually cause you to, to, to have your knees cut out from under you, we could say. But God wants you to live through it. And there's going to be keys in the Bible, things that we're going to see over and over and over from the Word of God, uh, written that, that Jesus said, written that the Apostle Paul said or Peter said or, or James said or, or John even said in his gospel about Jesus. If you'll read the Word of God, it can't do anything but put hope into your soul. Come on, everybody. And allow you to live through everything you're going through. We said last week that Jesus lived, he lived about 12,000 days on the earth. He lived a little over 33 years on the earth, which is around 12,000 days. Out of those 12,000 days, we have, we have about 1,100 days of what he really did in, in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, what was recorded of Jesus. So out of the 12,000 days that he was alive, we've got about 1,100 that we see signs and wonders and miracles. We've got Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John that wrote down the things that he said, teachings that he did, that we've still got written in this conglomerate of 66 books called our Bible. And out of those 1,100 days, we've got a concentration, a lot of, a lot of text in the, really the last seven days of Jesus' life. So it's really kind of interesting. We've got you know, 12,000 days. We've got 1,100 days that we really kind of know about in the Gospels mainly. And then, and then a concentration, a heavy concentration of the last seven days. That's when Jesus went to Jerusalem riding the donkey, the Palm Sunday, two weeks ago that we celebrated. Uh, he went in the temple, cleared out the temple, came back. And, and then uh, Matthew records in Matthew 21. 1 through 28, he records all kinds of uh, dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples and anybody else who was going to listen concerning last day's things, a lot of different parables that you read that Matthew actually records in great detail in red letter if you've got one of those kind of Bibles. And, and yet we, we know that out of the 12,000 days the, of life, the 1,100 days of public ministry, we could say three, three years or so that Jesus was publicly teaching, preaching, healing. Uh, the last seven days, man, it was like accentuated. And, and really, it all comes down to the day, the, the, this one day we celebrated last week that was an awful day, a, a terrible day that, that, that Jesus was crucified. And, 
And he bore the brunt of sin. We found out that Jesus suffered physical pain. Jesus suffered emotional pain. And Jesus suffered and experienced spiritual pain that you never will. And so out of your whole life, I think that, you know, I was talking to some people the other day. And, you know, in fact, my family, my, my son and my daughter-in-law from Vegas are in town for a little bit and dropping grandkids off. So we've got two grandkids all week. So y'all pray for us, will you? Come on. Woo. They're busy. Come on. They're busy. Come on. They're busy. Praise Jesus. Uh, I'm just saying, you know, when you go through life, it's, it's amazing. She was talking about a season of life she had at a job, and it was a real difficult season. And she said, you know, it seems like it's so far gone, but it was only like, it was only like three years ago. But it was like so far out of her mind because she's in something else and enjoying the work she's in right now. And so whatever you're going through right now, can I tell you, let's have some hope that you're going to live through it and it's going to pass. Can somebody say amen up here in the room? We want to do last week what we found out. We're going to kind of pick up where we were. So if you weren't here, I'm going to kind of tag on four things that we talked about. There's seven statements that Jesus made while he's hanging on the cross. Listen, he's hanging on the cross. Matthew and Mark and John record seven different statements. Some of them are recorded in each of the Gospels a couple times. But seven individual statements that they record, he said, while he was up there. He was only up there for a few hours. But they record several things that he said, and that I think they're keys for us on how we can live through it. So we're going to look back at those four things. We're going to recap real quick. We're going to look at three new things for a total of seven. And then we're going to look over to an Old Testament passage from a guy named David, King David, you might know him by, about how he went through a really awful situation and how he lived through it. Because I found out if he could live through it, you're going to live through it. Come on, everybody. Come on, somebody say amen. Help me up in here this morning. Come on. So look with me on the screen here just by, by way of reminder. If you were with us, if you're not, again, I encourage you to pick up the teaching on podcast. How to live through it. Number one, how to live through it. We said you've got to be good to those closest to you. Be good to those closest to you. Here was the thought. Here was the parameters. While Jesus is on the cross, he's got his mother Mary down there, and he's got his friend, disciple John there, his apostle, you know, later apostle John. And he looks at John. He says, John, that's your mama. Mama, that's your son. That's your son. Even while Jesus is on the cross, he's thinking about somebody else. He, he, he's, he's being good to his mom who's going to be left after his death. The emotional pain, the hurt that she's going to go through, the torment she's going to go through. Jesus is always thinking about somebody else. He's making preparations for John to take care of his mother. And what we've said, you know, it's really, it's really difficult to say this for, for just a blanket statement. Because we all deal with it. We all go through stuff. And it seems like the people that take the brunt of whatever we're going through is the people that are closest to us. It's our spouses, our kids, it's the people we love. So listen, let me encourage you, don't transmit your trauma. There's things that you're going to go through that God's going to empower you to go through. And you're going to have to be good and learn to be good to the people that are closest to you. Can you say amen? amen. Number two, we found out, let your struggle stretch you to others. Let your struggle stretch you to others. Again, here's the parameters. Is that Jesus is on the cross. He's got a criminal on one side. He's got a criminal on the other side. One guy says to him, hey, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus says, you're going to be with me today in paradise. Jesus didn't focus on his pain. The brother's asking him something. I don't know what I'm in pain. I don't want to deal with your pain. I'm just telling you, leave me alone. I'm up here. I got nails in my hands. I got a crown on my head. I've been beaten. I've been whipped. I've been tortured. And now you're asking me some theological questions. Come on, anybody. Come on. You know what I'm saying? Like, I got, I got some. I, I, I'm trying to get some answers myself. But, 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 but the struggle stretched him to somebody else. So he said this. If you're in pain, let me encourage you. If you're in pain, pursue it. another person's pain. Healed or, or he, I could say this way, you, you know, uh, somebody said this, which is true. Hurt people hurt people. 
Can I tell you, though, something? People that are healing can heal other people, too. So, so you might not be all the way out of it, but you're coming out of it. So keep pursuing other people. So if you're going through something, God's going to bring people across your path that are on the same cross you are. And look to bless them. Look to encourage them. Look to edify them. Look, look, to, look, look to lift them up. God, God's, God's going to do that. Come on, number three, forgive everybody of everything. Forgive everyone of everything. While Jesus is on the cross, you know it. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they, come on, they just don't know what they're doing. We found out in Mark chapter 11, Jesus, come on, Jesus said this. If you don't forgive people of their sins, the Father will not forgive you of your sins. So if you're going to live through it, listen, if you're going to live through it, the person that wronged you, the person that stole from you, the person that abused you, the person that lied to you, the person that promised stuff to you, that fell through, the person that deceived you, the person that whatever God awful thing happened to you, just like Jesus on that one day, you must forgive them. If you're going to have an open heaven and God forgive you of your sin. So let me just encourage you. When you are, uh, we said this, don't allow your cross, don't allow your cross to keep crucifying you. Don't allow the thing that you're dealing with to keep crucifying you. It's like an open sore, it's an open wound. That, that, that when you forgive, you're free. Come on, somebody. When you forgive, you're free. Unforgiveness is just a demonic tactic of the enemy to keep victimizing you. It'll just keep, you'll just keep playing the victim card. That, 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 that this happened in my life and I can't get free and I can't get over this and, and they did this and, and you go to the family gathering and you don't look at anybody or, or you won't go to the funeral because of that person. You're still hurt. And it's victimizing you. And the only way is to forgive everyone of everything. Number four, real quick. Ask God your hard questions. Come on, say that with me, will you? Ask God your hard questions. Jesus is on the cross, you know, and he says, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you? He asked God the hard questions. Let me just read a portion of Scripture here. I think that uh, it's from an Old Testament uh, account. Uh, the nation of Israel was in hiding, man. They were, they were, the Philistines were just messing up their land, stealing all their harvest, taking all their crops. And the nation of Israel, if you remember the Old Testament, they were like hot for God and then cold for God. And when, when, when God was doing, when the enemy was coming in, they're crying out, God save us, save us. As soon as God saves them, they go back to their old lifestyle. Kind of sounds like most Christians. Come on. Oh, hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So come on, just keep pursuing the Lord, right? Come on, just keep pursuing Him. Uh, but here's what it is. This is one of those situations. That's what's going on in Judges chapter 6, verse 13. There's a guy named Gideon. Here's what it says. Look at this. Gideon, uh, all of a sudden, the angel of the Lord appears to him. This is God appearing in the Old Testament. And Gideon says to him, the angel of the Lord, Oh, my Lord, if the Lord is with us. You ever prayed that? It, come on, if you're really there, if your Lord God Almighty, if you're really with us, look what it is now. Why has all this happened to us? Why did you let this happen to me? Why are we going through all this drama? Why? Don't you know I go to church? Don't you know I tithe? Don't you know I serve? Don't you know I'm nice to my mama? Where are all his miracles which your father told us about? Didn't the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now, he says, the Lord has forsaken us and delivered us into the hands of the Midianites. Wow. So, 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 so can I tell you, God can, God, God can handle your hard questions. But it's interesting, after this, after this, I haven't got time to read it, this whole other sermon, but after this, at, at, which is crazy, God comes to Gideon, and God tells Gideon, I've empowered you to save Israel. 
You're asking me all these hard questions. I'm just telling you right now, I'm not going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about what I'm going to do in your life right now. I've empowered you right now so you can live through it. Come on, everybody. Say amen. You're going to live through it. All right, all right. Here we go. New territory, new territory. Number five, fifth statement we find Jesus saying while he's on the cross. Or we're going to say it this way. Just don't be too spiritual. Don't, don't be too spiritual. Anybody met that too spiritual Christian? Yeah, just, just too spiritual. Like, how you doing? Praise the Lord. Blessed, highly favored. The head, not the tail. And you can't make rent payment. I'm down with, I'm down with, you know, speaking the word of God and being, being real. Uh, uh, but, you know, let, let's, let's attack it from this angle. In John chapter 19, verse 28, Jesus on the cross, and, and here's what it says. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Jesus said, I'm thirsty. Um, when you read that, that was John's account. When you read Mark's account, I told you, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them have a different perspective of these seven different accounts. Mark records that they tried to give Jesus wine mingled with myrrh. And wine mingled with myrrh was given to prisoners or given to people that were being crucified that would quench the thirst, but it would also dull your mental alertness. And Jesus says, no to that. No to that. When I'm on the cross, I'm going to be alert. I'm going to have all my senses. I'm going to endure everything for everyone. But later, right before Jesus knows my time is about up, he says, I'm thirsty. Why does he say that? Most theologians believe it's not some deep theological, spiritual reason. Jesus has been on the cross. He's bleeding. He's dying. And he wants his voice to be clear so everybody can hear what he's about to say. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as that. If you've never asked anybody for prayer, if you never ask anybody for a hand, you must just be stronger than the Apostle Paul, too. Because he asks a couple times in the New Testament to the church, help me by praying for me. Paul, in the book of Timothy, asks his friend, his protege, his, his understudy, Timothy, he says this, he says, uh, uh, everybody's left me, Timothy. I'm here all alone. And here's what I need you to do. When you come to me, he says, I need, read it in 2 Timothy. It's crazy. It's in the Bible. He says, when you come, bring me my coat and bring me the parchments. Bring me the books. Why? He's in prison. He's all by himself. It's cold. Nothing spiritual about it. It's just cold. And he says, I need some, I need to be warm. And I want some time to read. Would you bring me some books? I'm just telling you, there's just some people that just go, hey, you know, no, don't need any help. Just, just, no, 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 I'm okay. Everything's all right. How about you just let down your guard and let God help you, number one, and let somebody else help you, number two. You are not meant to go through life thinking you can handle every single thing by yourself. That's why this thing is called the body of Christ. Come on, everybody. Amen? The body. Come on, poke your neighbor. Just say the body, the body, the body, the body. I, I, think, I think this thought might be true for a lot of people that too spiritual, too spiritual, and too proud are connected. Just too spiritual and, and too proud. 
And probably the question to be is, you know, uh, would you know need to be asked is that how low do you plan on going before you ask God for help, before you ask a friend for help? So just don't be too spiritual because Jesus wasn't. Jesus wasn't. Come on, a couple more thoughts here I think are important. Number six that we find out Jesus on the cross. Surrender every day to God. Just surrender every day to God. I know that's a simple thing to say, but we see it over and over in the Scriptures, mainly in the Psalms that David just pours out his heart to God. But just surrender every day to God. In Luke chapter 23, verse 46, we see Jesus saying this, Father, Father, into your hands I commit, I commit my spirit. Into your hands. Into your hands. I surrender my life to you. We, we, we know that a daily prayer, I, I, I would think a daily prayer you might consider saying regularly, maybe daily, is, come on, not my will. Come on, somebody, not my will, but your will be done. Not my will, but your will be done. In fact, you know, a little, a little shift for some people is that James actually says this in James chapter 4. James says, you know, daily. He says, you know, daily, regularly. You should say, he says, you know, people say, well, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to do, I'm going to start my own business. I, I'm going to go to school here. I'm going to do, this is what I'm going to do. James says, ho, 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 hold it, hold it, hold it, hold it. <laughs> he says, you better pray if the Lord wills. I'll do this. And if the Lord wills, I'll do that. Now, if you know the Lord's will, it's confident to say, this is what I believe the Lord wants me to do. But if you get up every day all cracked up, forgive me that for that word, that's the wrong word. I'll, I'll just, that's not the right word. I didn't know where I was going with that. But just, I don't know where that word came from. But you just get up every day. I mean, just like, like you're just like, ha, ah, you know, without saying, Lord, I just, I, I'm on my knees today. And I don't know what's going to happen today. And I haven't got all figured out. But I surrender my life to you again. There's got to be daily commitments and daily surrender to God. If Jesus did it, come on, you're going to need to do it, right? David said this, when my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that's higher than I. There's a rock that's higher than I. So I surrender to you. I, I need you in my life. Father, not my will, but your will be done. I give you my life. I give you my future. I give you my talent. I give you my resources. Not my will. What I do know is that you can't change your past. You can't change your past. You can't change what people have done, but, but you can change the level of your surrender. Surrender. I love this definition of surrender. Check it out. Surrender means to relinquish, to abandon, and to waive your right. So I surrender. I relinquish, I abandon, and I waive my right. We could say it this way. I waive my right to be right. I surrender my life to you, O oh God. Not my will. But, but your will, your will be done. Man, Jesus did it. He's on the cross and he's in a place of surrendering that I, I, I leave my, I, I commit myself to you, Lord. I commit myself to you into your hands. How many know that it'd be good to be living in the hands of God? <laughs> not my hands. I'm not trying to figure it out. Not, not what I can fashion, not what I can do, but, but into your hands, oh God. So I surrender I surrender to you. The seventh thing that we find out that Jesus said in John 19, here's the thought. Have faith, have faith, have faith that there's going to be an end. Have faith that there's going to be an end. In John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, come on, read it out there with me, will you? It is finished. Come on, one more time with some, with some umph. It is finished. So this is the hope for everybody, isn't it? That whatever you're living through, it's going to be over. 
Come on, it's going to be over. The pain's going to stop. The addiction's going to stop. The kid's going to come back home. Come on, the situation's going to turn around economically. The job's going to open. Come on, the house is going to sell, or you're going to get the house, or whatever whatever the case may be, whatever you're living through right now, whatever drama and trauma you're living through, that you're going to, one day, that you're going to say, it is, come on, finished. I, I, love, I love what it says, because, you know, I think we get maybe the wrong connotation that, that it says, Jesus says, it is finished. Je- Jesus didn't say, I am finished. <laughs> so I think we kind of go through life going, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like, it's like, it's over. It's, it's finished. It's over. No, he didn't say, I am finished. He just said, it, it, the living part of what I'm going through, that thing is done. It's over. It's finished. And I'm getting ready to be resurrected. Come on, anybody believe God for resurrection power? Still, on the week after Easter? Come on, three quarters? Come on, a quarter of you? Half of you? No? Okay. All right, all right. Uh, so, so, so uh, you know, you've heard the question asked before, I'm sure, is that if you quit now, how close were you from having the it is finished? I mean, how close? How, you know, you're, 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 you've been believing God for a week or a month or a year or maybe a decade. How, how, how close are you that it's, it's right there? Come on. It's always just too soon to quit. And so when Jesus said it is finished, we know that what he had accomplished to do on the earth, it was over. That he was going to pay the price for the redemption of you and me and entire all mankind. And it is going to be over. And it was over. And you and I are the result of it being over. Come on, everybody. It being finished. And so, so, so here's what I know is that God can get you through. Come on. God can get you through whatever you're going through. God's just going to get you through. So if you'll be committed to him, if you'll just stay close to him, he's going to get you through it. He's not going to back up. He's not going to quit. He's going to constantly chase you down. He's going to constantly, if you turn around, his love's going to come reaching for you, and he's going to bring you back up and right, right next to him so you can go through that wall again. You can climb that mountain again. You can go down that valley again. You can pass through that darkness again so that you can have it. It is finished. Can you say amen, everybody? Come on, anybody living through it? Come on, anybody living through it? Yeah. Come on, yeah. And I used to think, honestly, I used to think, you know, after so many years, ever what that is, after so many years serving God, that, that the living through it would kind of be done. But, but it's just never going to be done. You're, you're, you're always going to have a cross to carry. You're always going to have something. And, and then when your kids are grown, you're going to have grandkids. <laughs> and your prayers you're going to be praying for them grandkids. And, and, and it's, it's just the way it is. It's just life. Living in a fallen world, yet we've got a risen Savior who lives in us in the middle of a fallen world. How good's that? Come on. Let's look real quick. Come on, switch gears with me because I want to look, I want to look uh, for the rest of the time that I've got together with you. I want to look at a story from the first Samuel chapter 30 about what David did and how he lived through it. We'll probably pick up a couple different thoughts next week about this guy and another guy, too, in the New Testament. Again, because there's so many uh, great uh, illustrations, practical things on how we can live through it. Not just exist, not endure. Enduring's powerful uh, and persistence is powerful. But I really want to concentrate on how we can live through it, how we can have joy in the middle? How can we expect God to just show up time and time again and, and, and not just fall off the wagon, so to speak? So look at me in 1 Samuel chapter 30. Look at the scripture in verse 1 through 8. Now it happened when David his men came to Ziglag. This was their hometown. On the third day that the Amalekites, this is the enemy, had invaded the south and Ziglag, they attacked Ziglag and they burned it with fire. So, so David's out doing what God's called him to do and they look around, they're coming home and their city's burning with fire. 
They had taken, verse 2, the women and those who were from small to great, all the kids. They didn't kill anyone, but they carried them away and they went on their way. Evidently, they tracked them. They found they didn't see any blood, but, but they, 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 they captured all their family. So David, look what it says, verse 3, And his men came to the city, and there it was burned with fire, and their wives, their sons, their daughters had been taken captive. Then David and the people who were with him lifted up their voices and wept until they had no power to weep. These are grown men. These are WWF fighters. These are MMA guys. These are warriors. These are Marines. Come on, these are SEALs. These are Navy, uh, Army Rangers. These are the who's who. These are the, these are the toughest of the tough. And when they come to their city, they're broken. They're beaten. Not from the enemy, but from what the enemy's done to their family. No more power to weep. David's two wives, Ahinoam and the Jezreelites and Abigail, the widow of Nabal, the Carmelite, had been taken captive. Now David was greatly distressed because the people spoke of stoning him. Because the soul of all the people was grieved, every man for his sons and his daughters. But David strengthened himself in the Lord his God. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, bring the ephod here to me. And Abiathar brought the ephod to David. And David inquired of the Lord, saying, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he, God, answered him, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Come on, somebody say amen. Come on, how many of you, that's some good news right there. That's some good news in the middle of some stuff. In the middle of some stuff. God's given this guy some, some, some answers. As we talked about, God can handle your pain. God can handle it. But, but we, we need to start asking God some stuff about what's going on here, God. Talk to me about some stuff here in the middle of it. So let's look at three points. If you don't know these three points, you've got to know these three points. Because when you're old like me, this is going to help you for the rest of your life. So write it down. Because as a young man, somebody told me this, and I've been thinking about it for almost 30 years. Forty years now, I guess. Jesus, help me. I'm getting old. Okay, here we go. Number one, strengthen yourself. Say that with me. Strengthen yourself. Everybody was talking about stoning him. They were grieved, these men. They were, they were hurt. And David, it says, strengthened himself in the Lord his God. Another translation says that David found strength in God. I like that. Do you know that you can find strength in him? If you don't know, listen to me, you're going to be at a great disadvantage. How do you find strength in God? The number one way, the main way, I don't want to say the only way, but the number one way, the foundational way that you're going to find strength in God is you're going to find strength in the word of God. If you are not reading the word, on a regular basis, if you are not feeding on the Word of God, your strength is being sucked out of you and you don't even know it. And a day of adversity and a day of test and a day of trial and a day of trauma, that will come to you. You will not have the inner strength and resolve to stand against the enemy. You must build into your daily routine a self-feeding portfolio. I'm going to eat every day. I'm going to feed myself every day. I'm going to get in the Word every day. I'm going to listen to teaching every day. I'm going to do something where the light of your Word comes and infuses me so that my life can multiply. Come on, somebody say amen. God's Word's medicine. It'll heal you emotionally. Come on. It'll, do, it, it'll, it'll challenge your mind. It, it'll equip your mind. David says this. He says, your words were found. I love it. Your words were found, and I did eat them. They are the joy and rejoicing of my soul. 
Your words were found. What's that mean? All of a sudden he's going on. The Bible hits him in the head. No, no, no. I found your words, he's saying. Your words were found. I found your words. And it was like food to me. I needed it. It helped me. It ministered to me. Come on. Are you finding God's word? Come on. Strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself. Strengthen yourself. Yeah, you need a friend. Yeah, yeah, we talked about that. Don't go through life too proud that you don't need anybody. Else. But, but, but you got to learn to feed yourself. You have to. You have to. In trouble, look on the screen real quick. In trouble, most people, number one, lose it emotionally and never recover. Here's what we find. These are David's mighty men. They're weeping. They're grieving. They're bitter. This shouldn't be happening to me. Why? I don't deserve this. This shouldn't be happening. We're serving God. We're just lose it emotionally. And a lot of times, people just never recover. They come back to the it that they've dealt with, and they talk about it for the rest of their life. They talk about it. They talk, no, yeah, listen, they died. Yeah, they left you. Yeah, they stole from you. Yeah, they gossiped about you. Yeah, they went all over Facebook. Yeah, they ruined your reputation. But why do you let it about your reputation that was six years ago still mess with you now? You've got new friends. You've got a new life. You've got a new expectation. Come on, leave it alone. Let it be buried and move on. Move on. Just lose it emotionally. Just talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Or number two, they just blame other people. These guys, were, these mighty men were talking about Stone and David, saying, it's your fault. What do you mean it's my fault? Come on. I, I, we're out here serving God. The enemy has just come in. It ain't nobody's fault but the enemy's fault. So many times people just want to blame. Let me encourage you. David went vertical while other people went horizontal. Vertical goes up towards God. Vertical advances. Vertical's got heaven's perspective. Verticals, and my faith is going to be renewed. My, eye, my eyes are going to be looking towards you. My help comes from you, O oh God. Of course, we know horizontal goes sideways. <laughs> We're treading water. We're looking for man to help. We're looking for a natural answer that is not a natural answer to a spiritual problem. The spiritual problem is there's an enemy. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy, John 10, 10. Jesus says, I've come to give life more abundantly. The enemy's in the world. He's here. This is what he's trying to do. We see over and over and over this thought in the, in the scriptures that the enemy is alive. He's very real. He's trying to mess you up. But you can, you can, you can subvert his tactics by strengthening yourself in the Lord. This is what David's doing right now. And if you don't know how to do this, you're going to be a victim to life's circumstances the rest of your life. So I know that's some tough medicine, but listen, if you listen to me right now and start building a different diet into your life, you are going to be strong to be able to stand against the tactics of the enemy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love it. The Hebrew text actually says this, that David fastened himself to God. He clung to God. He strengthened himself unto God. The Hebrew text says he fastened himself to God. So get that picture. Get that image of when your child is saying, like, like, like somebody comes, and maybe a young child, two or three-year-old, like, like my grandson's here, who we hang out all the time, but, but when mom and dad are there, always wants mom and dad. So I picked him up last night in the house, and, and, and he, he was with me. And, but, then, but when he saw his dad, he was going to cling to his daddy. Come on, somebody. And he would, I, could, I tried to pry him off. And he, his, come on, his claws were deep in daddy's shirt. <laughs> he was clinging. Uh, are you clinging to God? Are you strengthening yourself with Him? Are you clinging to Him? Man, David had a history with God, right? I killed the lion. I killed the bear. I killed Goliath. I killed the Philistines. And, and so this situation, God, uh, you, you're going to help me. You, you're going to help me get through it. 
I found out how I can strengthen myself, myself with you. So what we find out from David's life is that David won battles when no one was watching. He just won battles when no one was watching. You know, when you read 1 Samuel chapter 17 about David and Goliath, up until that point, there's not one record that we know that David killed a lion or David killed a bear. Not one record. David didn't go on Twitter. Didn't, didn't go on, take, 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 take a post of Instagram, lion. Didn't do it. Didn't do it. Nobody knew about it. He won battles in secret. Listen, what you do in secret one day will prove your success in the open. So come on, get on your knees some more. You're going to win, win the battle when no one's watching. Why? Here's the truth, and you might not like it. Your Goliath is coming. Your Goliath is coming. It's going to show up. Not when you expect it, not when you want it, maybe not when you're all 100% up. But Goliath is going to show up. And if you have not strengthened yourself, Goliath, I'm just going to tell you, Goliath is going to win. But if you'll build something into your daily routine, every Goliath that shows up in your life, God will give you the power to live through it and defeat your Goliath. Can you say amen, everybody? I love Isaiah 41.10. Fear not, for I'm with you. Be not dismayed, for I'm your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you by my righteous right hand. Can somebody say amen? That's what God said he's going to do. He's going to, he's going to help you. He's going, to, he's going to help you. He's going to strengthen I will strengthen you. How's God going to strengthen you? He's going to strengthen you as you strengthen yourself. He doesn't strengthen you apart from you strengthening yourself. <laughs> just like the, the, the things we do in the natural, just like with exercise or eating right. I wish I'd lose weight. Well, it's real simple. It's real simple. <laughs> Push that away and eat this. It's real simple. Spend 30 minutes doing this, get your heart rate up, and 30 minutes off the couch. It's real simple. But we don't want that. We want this. We want, I put a video in, I put a teaching in, I put this in, I do this, and we can see some results, but our lives go like this. God says, would you just learn how to strengthen yourself? So you can live through every cross that comes your way. David knew how. All the guys were complaining. All the guys are going to stone him. They're wailing. They're weeping. David pulls himself away from there. And he strengthens himself. He clings to God. He fastens himself to God. Second thing he did, write it down. David prayed. David prayed. David asks... God, shall I pursue this troop? Shall I overtake them? That's, that's pretty specific, guys. That's not like, oh, God, what are you thinking? Really specific. Shall I pursue this troop? Shall, shall I overtake them? God, what do you say here? Can, can I encourage you, uh, if you don't realize this, prayer and strength are connected. No prayer and weakness are connected. So a question I'd ask you, have, do you, have you learned the power of asking, of knocking, of seeking, uh, of requiring? Have you learned the power of pouring out your soul? Have you learned the power of crying when there's no words coming out of your mouth? If you haven't, then, then maybe you're going to live through it a little bit longer. 
where I'm going to fast and I'm going to set myself aside and have no eating for that, this half day. And I'm just going to seek you, God, because this thing that I'm dealing with, this Goliath, this cross, this situation in my life, I need your help. <laughs> but again, we're living in a culture that we want it microwaved. We want to ease down. We want somebody else to tell us. You are required to pray yourself. Well, I don't know how to pray. A baby starts forming words in response to their parent. You can start forming words in response to your father. David says this in Psalm 138.3. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me by giving me strength. Notice that. As soon as I pray, you answer me. You encourage me. How? By giving me strength. The Apostle Paul said this in, first, in Colossians 1.11, in one translation. He's praying to the church, and this is a prayer that I encourage you to pray, a prayer that we find out in Colossians 1. He says that the God will strengthen you with his own great power so that you will not give up when troubles come, but you will be patient. God will strengthen you with his great power so you won't give up when trouble comes. Again, a daily routine of feeding yourself the Word of God, a daily routine of communication with God in prayer brings strength to your life. So just on the screen, the thought maybe to consider is that maybe the answer to your prayer isn't the answer you thought, but the strength you receive to walk in faith dealing with the difficulty and living through it. So many times I think, we think, well, you're going to do this. I'm asking you to do this. And God says, well, hang on a second. Here's what's going to happen. I'm going to give you strength to go through it. And I'm going to work it. I'm going to work in it. But the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to give you strength to go through this situation. I'm sure that everybody in the room knows people that have gone through whatever it is, and you go, how did they do it? Guess what? God strengthened them. God strengthened them. And you and I look at it and go, I, how in the world? How in the world? Well, how about you and I be that kind of person? That we're building a regular, again, diet of the Word of God. We're b- building prayer into our daily routine. That when we come face to face with situations that are out of our control, out of our hands, we cry out to God and we ask God and we, we pour out our soul to God and we worship God and we allow God to strengthen us while He's getting us through it. Can you say amen, everybody? Last thing we find out that David did was just this word, move. Come on, yell it out. Move. Come on, move. (laughs) Here was after David prays in 1 Samuel chapter 30, verse 8. God answers David, and God says to David, Yeah, David, pursue, for you shall surely overtake them, and without fail, recover all. Can somebody say amen right there? Come on, amen. What we know about faith is that faith is movement. Faith is movement. It's, it's action. It's, it's asking. It's seeking. It's knocking. It's looking for answers. It's not static. It's not dormant. It's not, it's not God do something. God saying, would you move? God, what do you want me to do? I'm going to strengthen myself. And God, I'm asking you. I'm praying. And then God answers him. Move. Pursue. <laughs> it's faith. There's got to be some kind of corresponding action to what we're praying and we're asking God to do in our to do in our lives. Moses is at the Red Sea and God just tells Moses, quit, man, quit, quit complaining to me, man. Just stretch out your rod and tell the people, move forward. 
Even when it looks impossible, move forward. When you get there, that water is going to split. Come on, everybody. It's going to move. It's going to get out of the way. The guys that got four friends that got a paralyzed guy, they can't get him in the house. They, Jesus is in the house. They go up the roof. They break up through. They're doing whatever they can to get somebody to Jesus. Faith is always movement. Movement. It's movement. It's not staying the same. The woman with the issue of blood presses through the crowd, touches the hem of his garment. For she kept saying, if I can touch the hem of his garment, I'm going to get healed. It's movement. Shall I pursue? Yes. Pursue the enemy. Pursue the enemy. So maybe a word for you today is, God, I wish you'd do this. God, I wish you'd open up that door. Well, have you even knocked on the door yet? God doesn't do anything without, someone said this, God is irrevocably tied to human cooperation. He's tied to it. In other words, you don't pray, God doesn't answer. You don't move, God doesn't move. He moves in response and, 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 and partnership with, with you. So just the last thought I'll give you this morning is that action precedes answers. Action. So I've got to keep acting. I've got to keep believing God. I've got to keep look. Got to keep asking questions. I've got to keep praying. I've got to keep pouring out my heart to God. I've got to keep staying in the Word. I've got to keep finding out ways that I can pursue and I can move and I can I can move forward in business or or if it's in your marriage or whatever it is. Lord, I, I, I've got a difficult situation here, but I'm going to strengthen myself. I'm going to pray to you and I'm going to keep moving forward. I'm going to work on myself. I'm going to walk in love. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, so that you can live through it. And be glorified as Jesus wants to bring glory in your life. Can you say amen? Come on, bow your head. Father God, today we just thank you for the word. We thank you, Lord God, that we can live through every situation that we're confronted with because your power is in us and you are strengthening us. Oh God, today I pray for every person here that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that today will be a day that they receive you or they come back to you. And your purpose and your plan gets realized in their lives once again. Father, I pray that every person going through it will begin to have a, 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 a change of thought, a change of heart, a change of direction, and that they say, I am going to live through this situation. It will not kill me. It will not, it will not bury me. But the Word of God in my life will plant me, and I will grow, and I will flourish, and I will change, and I will help other people that are going through it. The cross that I am on, I'm going to look for other people to be a blessing in their life. I'm not going to spiritualize my life and think I don't need any help. I'll ask for help. I'll ask you. I'll ask others, oh God. Father, I pray that every word in every person's life, whatever you're speaking to them, it will be just solidified today, O oh God, and that it will begin to produce untold fruit for their life and the friends around them in Jesus' name. Can you just give God a praise this morning? Say, praise the Lord. Come on, everybody. Yeah. We said a moment ago that one of the greatest things that you can do in your life is give your life to Jesus Christ. What we've done, you know, what we do always at our church is we always give everyone a right to respond to what we call the gospel. The gospel, maybe you've never heard the definition, just simply means good news. One translation actually says, too good to be true news. Like, you've got to be kidding me. Jesus did all the heavy lifting. Jesus went to the cross. Jesus took my sin. Jesus took my pain. And he just says, receive me? It's that easy? Yes, it's that easy. 
But he doesn't come to anybody unless they ask. Someone said, God's a perfect gentleman. He doesn't come in his life and, in anyone's life and demand that anyone serve him or give their life to him. It's simply in response to his loving kindness in your life. Most people don't find God until they're at their end of their rope. But I would encourage you, find God before you get to the end of your rope. Because you'll start enjoying life a whole lot better. Anybody can witness to that? Yeah, me, me included. So why don't you do this one more time. Just bow your head, close your eyes. What we do around here, we just want to give everyone the right to privacy. The question I want to ask you is, that, do you know Jesus? Now, have you heard about him? Not have you been to church before? Not have you taken Holy Communion? Or not have you prayed the rosary or prayed church? Not have you given any money? Not have you been around church? But do you know him personally? That's what the word means, up close and personal.